This is Read, Watch, Play. I'm Cleo. I'm James. I'm Corinne. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of syncopated worlds. We will be covering Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfang, Elysium by Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp? We never did figure that out, did we? <laughs> and uh, Bioshock Infinite, developed by Irrational Games. Do we want to take that again? I don't know. I like that one. I think it was perfect. All right. And we're going. We'll just All of these really dropped since uh, in in recent episodes. We've just been like going right out the gate, first round of introductions. Yeah, we've been letting ourselves go. I mean, it's just more. F- it, it it was fun. <laughs> if not for the fun of that, I would have said let's do it over again. But but it was that a, was a, more fun. Elysium by the guy who did District Nine. All right, that's 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 how everyone knows it anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so syncopated worlds. So what do we mean by syncopated worlds? So syncopation is a musical term, uh, and it generally refers to when the offbeat of a uh, of a time signature is stressed. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you're going, uh, good question, Corinne. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you if you've got something that's going like bop bop bop. Up. Syncopation is when you're stressing the offbeat, so it would be bup, 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 like that. That's syncopation. All right, good episode. All right, and that's <laughs> think, a wrap. I think <laughs> like, we've explained ourselves well. <laughs> so great, that's syncopation. Now, syncopated worlds, how does that... Well, a world is... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. I'm done. I'm leaving. So the general, the general, I guess, idea behind calling all of this syncopated worlds was to get at two societies or two even universes, two realities that existed right next to each other, but the offbeat was being stressed. It, it's, it's the idea of things happening simultaneously and yet... In sync, but out of sync. In sync, but out of sync. Yeah. Good way. Succinct. I like it. Like the Backstreet Boys. Like the Backstreet Boys. What? In, in sync, but not in sync. Yeah. I think is what more of what James was going yeah, for. Yeah, that was... Yes. Okay. I just, I thought you... I'm not saying it was a good joke, but yes, that is what I was going for. I mean, once you go to a Backstreet Boys concert, I suppose everything could be an, a Backstreet Boys. I mean, it, what other... It had to be some other boy band, right? And like, like what I was mean, I going to say? 98 Degrees? Yeah, who would say 98 Degrees? Let's O-Town. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Hanson. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so. I, I feel like we were... I... I think that we said at one point that this entire topic was largely an excuse to read Folding Beijing. We built we built the topic around that. And frankly, I, I think that it shows in our responses to everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this thing kind of – or wow, this thing was really good. Wow, this thing kind of sucks. Yeah, this thing is really problematic and kind of sucks. Yeah. Like I feel like it, <laughs> that's really kind of what happened was Folding Beijing was – there was like a lot of like really cool stuff in there. And there was two other things that did something similar, just not not really as well. And that's just kind of the best we could get there. Pretty much. As out of curiosity, has so since we did that, has anyone come across anything that they thought would have been a better inclusion for the for the watch or play segments? I'm gonna go with no. Probably no. Okay. But then again, like I've been spending a lot of time literally just like getting through the stuff for the watch and play segments. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't been exploring new things recently. 
I feel like anything that explicitly deals with alternate universes in the way that Bioshock does would probably fit it very well. Obviously coming at it from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It. I haven't necessarily... The hard thing for me is a lot of stuff I've come across or like that I thought I was like, oh, well, that might have been like a, a neat thing to, to think about in the context uh, have been largely other books. Um, it makes me think that at the end of the day that this is something that just... At least in my experience, books seem to tend to do a bit better job of doing. Um, I mean, Neverwhere kind of came to mind at one point mm. um, as something that might have been kind of neat. Um, a Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> but I, I feel like there would have been kind of some some other really neat things but it really made me think about like is is this just something that's less frequently explored in movies and games or am i really just not like am i just for whatever reason hitting on the lit stuff well considering that between the four of us we know every single game and movie ever made and can like yeah. index them very quickly in answer but to this question that's but, true though that's yeah. true but that's a fact yeah i want to say that Class division isn't something that I encounter too much in video games. That's not that's not supporting a different idea, I guess. Because I think when we were building this topic, uh, one of the games that I floated was Papers, Please. Yeah. Um, and while that is a game that deals with, you know, a, a divide between different societies and classism and stuff like that, it ultimately didn't have the same... It didn't have the feel that we were going for. Yeah, that literal element to... Yeah. yeah. It would have been a lot harder to come up with a topic name. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Like I, it, The thing that is weirdest about that to me, that sense of kind of having these two worlds... I mean, particularly kind of shifting one and out, but sort of like next to each other, sort of on on the offbeat, as Corinne said, um, is that it seems like something that, I mean, we spent half of our folding Beijing topic talking about how visual, like, that idea is, and that it's kind of neat that it's in a short story, and that it feels inevitable that someone will try and do it in a more visual medium. Um, and yet, here we are, like, looking through our two more visual media, and we're like, well, there's not a lot of this kind of thing i we it's well because i think like if you remember something <laughs> if you think back to our folding beijing episode we talk about how the fact that beijing is basically the character yeah the focus of the story and that would not happen in That's a true. in a movie or a game it can't like nobody will do that it's not something that it, i mean it may not even work fundamentally i mean it would it be like koyana Skatsi, but it's a city i i feel like the thing is that the irony is that the game that i think of is bioshock Meh. less so infinite i think i mean infinite tries but i the original bioshock where yeah, rapture is a character rapture, in bioshock, rapture for is sure the character, yeah you know it is the only character that like it is the most fleshed out character it is the one with the most personality i so i guess that's kind of the irony there but we picked the wrong one yeah we should have made it about cities that are characters <laughs> Well, but I mean, Syncopated World still works for Bioshock. Rapture is to the rest of the world what Columbia is to the rest of the world in Infinite. Like, Yeah. I feel like Infinite, I, issues that I had with that game aside, I feel like Infinite was a very good pick for the topic. And I think it made for, you know, it was interesting to think about. But the big thing, again, not to pat ourselves on the back, but um, 
I mean, it's I feel like Infinite very much is about syncopated worlds, right? You've yeah. got Columbia versus the rest of the world. You've got Columbia versus the Vox Populi. You've got Elizabeth literally tearing holes in the universe to kind of have these alternate worlds that are going between one another. It. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I feel like there have got to be more. I'm just blanking on them or something. Uh, again, it, it feels it feels like because we ran we ran through a bunch of games i i do remember that we we threw a bunch of stuff around at the end of the at, at the end of the day like none of them quite put the focus on what we wanted the focus to be on yeah so maybe that's it maybe it's like games there's a lot of close but not quite yeah maybe a lot of things that don't want to touch on this topic directly could be not a lot of games about cities that move also weirdly enough <laughs> Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, God. I love that book and movie. I do, too. Let's just talk about that for an episode. All right. No context. (laughs) Just Howl's Moving Castle. We'll read Howl's Moving Castle. We'll watch Howl's Moving Castle. And then for play, we'll just, I don't know, we'll watch it again. But Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it. I feel like most of the, at least from the game standpoint, most of the features that features this, it's like alternate universes as like a result of time travel kind of thing. Yeah. Like the very explicit like parallel worlds that exist in Bioshock Infinite that are very conducive to this idea don't exist in the same way in a lot of in like anything else. Yeah. For the most part. It's like the you know, you have your, like the chrono trigger effect of like jumping around in time and changing things and then going to your alternate universe yeah. present or future or whatever. Yeah. Which is yeah, I agree. It's similar, but it's not quite not quite. This. I mean, uh, the the Zero Escape games deal with a lot of that kind of stuff. I feel like Zero Escape does kind of a more interesting job of dealing with the time travel stuff than Bioshock does. But it's yes. still not quite. It's not what we're looking for. You know, yeah. until I can hear a barbershop quartet in 1912 singing some ACDC, I don't know if it matters. Yeah. Yeah, God, that game had style. It really did. Not a lot of substance, but style. Anyway, so yeah, no, I'm, I I was really thinking about this as we were going. I, I feel like I'm surprised that there were fewer things that... And we had kind of a very narrow thing that we were looking for, but I don't know. I still feel like I, I still feel like I was surprised that there weren't at least a couple things that felt like they hit our definition a bit better. Yeah, but, no, I'm kind of with you on that. It's 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 ultimately rare that we end up on something that doesn't give us a few options. Yeah, that was kind of neat. I think it's also interesting that uh, for the for the game part itself we very explicitly had to move away from the class division. I mean, there was class division, but yeah. as we talked about in the previous episode, yeah, not, not, a lot, well. not a lot really came out of that. The The real like syncopated world aspect was the, you know, tearing between dimensions part of things. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, when it came time to pick a game, what we had to go with was literally tearing holes between realities versus a, thoughtful and nuanced discussion of class divides and socioeconomic differences. Yeah. Though there are games about that. I would say if we were explicitly looking for class divide and socioeconomic differences, I think Papers, Please would have been uh, a good idea. I think that that you're right, that there are those things. It's not that they don't exist. It's that this was not necessarily one of them. But I mean, that was part of why naming this topic was so hard, because we kept coming around to the idea of classism, but that it didn't really work. Yeah, it wasn't 100% what we wanted. But Though that said, though I, I think that that does lead into uh, the other question that I that I wanted to ask. So I'm going to be out of the questions that I brought to this pretty fast, um, just with the way the conversation's gone. Um, seems like the idea of 
syncopated worlds from the things that we have picked seems like when we come across it it is by and large used to illustrate class divide uh, to some degree yeah which makes sense um i feel like you know that idea of oh you have these two worlds like right on top of each other like that that feels feels like kind of a, a good go-to like a good understanding for a good way to illustrate that kind of thing maybe that's that i would yeah i mean you go as far back as the you know 1920s and you've got metropolis and literally on top of each other working in sync yeah God, maybe that would have been a good one anyway do i know <laughs> uh that just would have been neat anyway ah damn it um but yeah so i feel like that that at least to me seemed like the big thing that uh the big idea that the that image of the folding city or the the flying city and the tears in the world and the you know space base kind of thing seemed to be going at are there were there other themes that people kind of saw um going between the stuff um that were kind of that felt very much tied to that idea of the of the worlds well it's it's interesting because okay at least with bioshock infinite and um elysium there's this very like literal kind of depiction of the better place being higher up. So like Elysium is in orbit around earth. It's like in the sky and then Columbia also in the sky, but with folding Beijing, the, um, the parts that are, what is it like first space or like rather second space and third space, the buildings get taller as you get kind of lower through the classes um, because they have to fit more people in. And so in folding Beijing, the taller the buildings, the kind of worse the living conditions, uh, which I thought was an interesting kind of difference between all the topics. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a very, it's a very like modern, I guess, you know, it, modern feels like the wrong word, but it maybe modern and practical way of looking at it, right? Like I, yeah, I could see like kind of that classical sense of like, oh, it's bigger, it's closer to the sky, it's shinier, it's nicer, whatever, kind of all sort of going together. But yeah, then you have that real application of well one of the big reasons why you build buildings up is to fit more people in less square footage you know and yeah it's that is kind of a, a neat like shift in imagery there and i mean like on you there's some of that in elysium i mean where in spite of the overpopulation it's like you don't see a lot of like big tall buildings on on earth in elysium but certainly on elysium it's big sprawling manor houses you know it's the the very like impractically spaced things there was always the the person who knew the way between the two worlds yeah for sure that was Peng Li folding beijing that was what was the name spider spider in elysium yeah and dead lighthouse keeper <laughs> in bioshock infinite yeah or in in another reading of it, Elizabeth. Yeah, I guess arguably Elizabeth, like a little bit. Yeah, it kind of it, that one sort of shifts around depending on how you're. Or the Latesses. Yeah, um, whole lot of people. Way too many people traveling between worlds and in infinite. Yeah, I mean, arguably, like you as Booker, uh, when you kind of go between, say, like the the higher class areas and down into Shantytown, you kind of as you get through more of Columbia and as someone from the world below, but. Even then, it sort of happens to him incidentally. He feels more like a 
like a loud out kind of guy who's being taken between these. <laughs> yeah, places. he's just a passenger. Yeah. I feel like that role is fulfilled by the Lutesses in Infinite. Yeah, like they know what shit's going on and like why it's going on, and they're like a big part of why any of it's happening in the first place. Yeah, I'd agree. So, I guess sort of pulling that analogy forward, and I would say in a way that um, the the works that we discuss don't really do. So it's. I think we're at the point where we're moving into speculation on the broader theme as opposed to saying anything about any of the specific works. Uh, if if we posit that syncopated worlds are largely used to illustrate class divide, what what kind of what do you think would be like kind of the real world bigger like ideological analog for that that guide character, that Lutesque character, that that spider character who facilitates movement between particularly keeping in mind that that movement seems to largely be impermanent. It's not, this is not actual class mobility. This is economic tourism, <laughs> which is not actually the correct word, but. Gets enough with the idea. I don't know. The only thing I can, like, in the real world, a certain segment of the criminal underground, almost, that. I'd say it's certainly carried by the Elysium. Uh, right. But I'm thinking more of the the, like the temporariness of it to me um gives it that the feel of the the people who who pose as wealthy elite to mm. gain access to certain things we're but just moving into heist movie territory basically oh. um <laughs> which i i would argue elysium is largely a heist movie at least for the second act yeah i wish it was uh, more of a heist movie yeah but you've also got you've also got like um oh, i don't remember what they're called uh, but like the like guys who will help, um, coyotes. Yes. Yep. Mm. Guys who will help coyotes. Yep. No. <laughs> Park rangers. That's the word. <laughs> there we go. Got it. We got uh, that. But, but yeah, like people, uh, you know, trying to, uh, like I think of the people in the beginning of Elysium, right? Mm. You have the, the poor, uh, low class people who are trying to, get to Elysium even if briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, just thinking of coyotes like the people who are trying to move from the the their bad situation now into a place where even being a part of the lower class means being part of a class that is higher than their status. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say certainly uh like Elysium has all kinds of evidence for for that that reading. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing that's really interesting in especially Bioshock for this one is if you take the the Lutesks, I, I never know if it's correct to pluralize that. Because um, my understanding is it's generally just her, right? And that he is her from like a, an alternate universe, but that she was largely the, the genius who did a lot of it. I, so I never know how to like how to pluralize that character's. Let's do that. It's, I'll, it's I'll, easy I'll... to say the Lutes twins. I feel like ultimately that's how they're characterized, even if realistically they're the yeah. same person. Yeah. Anyway, so for for the twins, uh, I think you kind of get this interesting thing where they are simultaneously the ones who can help navigate it, but they are also largely the architects um, of of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, you know, you've got someone like Comstock who is the the figurehead of Columbia, but. Columbia would not really work without the the suspension element. So you can only strap so many balloons to a building. Yeah, right. <laughs> it just becomes up 
at one point. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that's what we should have done for our watch. We should have done up. Up. Yeah. What if the Latestans were just like traveling balloon like salespeople, <laughs> and they had just found the best client? Um, and you have, can you just imagine? And they're selling it to him, and it's just like the monorail episode of The Simpsons, and they're just going, and you just see like Comstock, and he's just like balloons, 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 balloons. That would oh man. That would be fantastic. That's the game I want to play. Some fan art needs to come out of this. That, All right, listeners, you know what to do. Yeah, screw the rest of this topic. Let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the monorail episode for The Simpsons for a bit. That's a good one. This has become the topic of, you know what? Let's just talk about something else. Why is that? I feel like we kind of... it Because I, I, for me, I will be up front and say, because frankly, I think the only thing that does an even remotely interesting... Uh, thing or does an even remotely good job of dealing with this topic in a smart way is folding Beijing, and, and I think we also has... covered that very thoroughly in the folding Beijing. Well, I feel episode. like that's exactly yeah, that's the big thing is I don't feel like I have a lot of new stuff to say because I'm just like, yep, folding Beijing did a lot of interesting stuff, and these two other things just didn't really. So my big takeaways are just what I took away from folding Beijing. <laughs> and I guess we should we should get into maybe the differences and the failures but sorry go ahead we could also go revisit some of the uh questions that we usually take a look at just like which of these worlds would you rather live in even though that's a good idea let's do that all yeah that'll be be a fun break from i just want to talk about the monorail episode (laughs) you do that afterwards except not really james james wants to live in the monorail episode of the simpsons monorail 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 all right so which world would you rather live in? I mean, like, Columbia seems to just... I mean, okay, if you took away the racism and everyone would be shitty, Columbia, because it's in the fucking sky. But because that Columbia doesn't really exist and we see no hint of it existing in one of the millions of millions of alternative Columbias, uh, I mean, prob- probably... For some reason, the idea of a folding Beijing kind of freaks me out, like, because, specifically because they put you to sleep when it's not your turn to, like, have the city. And I don't like the idea of being stuck in a pod for, like, 48 hours or however long. Specifically, I think, because I I have to pee a lot in the middle of the night. I, like, get up to pee a lot. And so <laughs> being put in stasis for many, many, many hours stresses me out. Um, I mean, I guess Elysium itself looked kind of cool, kind of like the Citadel from Mass Effect. I feel like that's the key question here, right? Is if, okay, if you say, what world would you rather live in? If Which normally, world of which world am I living in? Yeah, exactly. Normally it's just like, oh, the book, the movie, or, or the game. And now it's like, okay, well, do you get to live in, like, Elysium or on Earth? Do you get to, like, what part of Beijing are you in? What... Uh, like what timeline in Bioshock are you? I mean, is it yeah, just you, like you get to live in Bioshock, the world of Bioshock Infinite, but you just still live in the states? The, yeah, just you yeah, get to I, look up at Columbia once in a while. Yeah. Still live in New York. <laughs> There's I a floating like, city that nobody seems to know about anymore for some reason. I, I think they like they know about it, but it they just kind of like fucked off and said they're going to do their own thing. And I, it seems more like it's not that they don't know about it; it's that for whatever reason they don't care. 
which is weird. Ar- arguably weirder, yeah, than yeah. just not knowing about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like I, it would be one thing if it was just, like, lost. If it was just, like, so high in the atmosphere that you couldn't see it or something. I got no Everybody idea. on a, on Columbia is, like, simultaneously kind of high from lack of oxygen. Probably. But also, okay, so where does the water <laughs> from Battleship Bay go? <laughs> we just... What's that? Yeah, complete, that was a question side I conversation. Where does the yeah. water from Battleship Bay go? Because it's super fucking deep. It's deep enough for you to like land in after a big fall and Songburn to fall in like pretty far after you. And it seems like it just like cascades off the edge at some point. Well, this point. is the thing. It's just like a giant pool. Like it's basically a beach. And I understand that it gets like, you know, as deep as you would expect this large beach to get and, and the ocean that is with that beach. But then it just cascades off the side of Columbia. So like one... Where does it come from if it's constantly pouring off the side of this building? And two, if it's constantly pouring off the side of this one, like, Columbia platform or whatever you want to call it, is it just landing on Earth? Like, is it just, like, constantly torrent of water falling wherever Columbia is above? I think so. Yeah. In fact, in the uh, if, if Columbia was allowed to exist uninterrupted, America would have avoided the Dust Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think that that's probably accurate. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's one. It's like I'm willing to suspend a certain amount of disbelief for that. And these aren't like those aren't like you know my issues with the game. But I would be lying if if I said that I was not thinking about stuff like that a lot. Where it's yeah, just like the- if all these are moving independently, how are all the sky rails like staying hooked up to one another? And yeah, where does that water go? And how did they get it so deep? And was that really necessary? Why did why do they need to flood literally every single one of their churches? What is their thing with water? All that baptism. Because they have a thing. I honestly, my guess for that would be because Comstock's uh, character is so tied to his uh, baptism. baptism. Yeah, his baptism. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it. Imagery wise, my guess would be yeah, baptism associations. It seems highly impractical. Yeah, but. Everybody's just kind of got a constant case of athlete's foot. Probably. <laughs> like, that. I, I, yes. <laughs> There's not much of a current. It's pretty stagnant. They probably have a big mosquito problem. Ugh. Man, I would live in Columbia less and less. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elysium. But, I'll, but I'll, Vigors, I'm just, though. I'm just going to say it. I want to live in the better version of that world where anytime I get a little boo-boo, I can just pick it right up. Free also, of charge. How is the world of Columbia like remotely civilized? These people have these ridiculously godlike powers. It's like, no. oh, I'm just gonna throw lightning. No, they they don't. Like five people do, and that's it. But we see crates and crates of vigors. Nobody uses them. I know. Yeah, I was. It's one of the really bizarre things. Like when you use like possession to like get stuff out of a vending machine, and everyone freaks out. I'm like. Bro, they were literally giving away free samples of this at the fair. Yeah. Like, like Yeah, it is it is very strange. That is one of the things that really makes very little sense. And to be fair, I think that's in kind of all the Bioshock games. Um because I feel like at least in the first Bioshock, there like there are definitely uh what are the what are the enemies called? Yeah, there's like the Houdini splicers who can teleport. Yeah, there are uh, definitely like a couple of splicers that have you know, plasmids. Yeah. They're supposed to be in super short supply or something. I, don't know. But I mean, they're, they're all splicers because they're addicted to Adam, though, is the, yeah. like the hard thing. And so it's like, well, do they all just have like tonics or something? I don't know. I mean, I guess the thing is like there are your the special enemies in in uh, Bioshock. Yeah. But, you know, true. you can safely load your body up with, you know, 
eight to twelve. How many? Eight. 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 No. You can. Yes. I think it's eight. You can load your body up with eight vigors, and you're perfectly fine. How come nobody else can? Yeah, just do this. Do this. Yeah. And you just find them lying around. Maybe, maybe like maybe loading yourself up with vigors gives you super cancer, and like you don't know that because you don't live there, but everybody else does. But it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. You... I was like, well, check out this guy. He is, bro. <laughs> You've got like a week to live. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, like, like, you know, all sorts, your hair's going to fall out. Like your voice is going to get real weird. Like yeah. it's, it's bad shit's going to happen to you, but you know, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. That is one of the weird things about, about that game. It absolutely inconsistent nonsense in relation to, you know, yeah, just... inherent game mechanics. Yeah. Just video gamey bullshit. But whatever i guess but it's the least of that game's problems but yeah no I, that's for me that's part of what makes it kind of hard to be like oh what world would i live in it's like well it, the worlds don't make a ton of internal like coherent sense yeah it's to the extent where i would be tempted to say like yeah i guess elysium but i guess it's one of those where it's like yeah but like pre you know super hacker so server reboot uh and I was, like, on regular Earth. Like, that seems pretty shitty. Um, so it's, I guess it kind of makes me wonder, is, is is the question, you pick you pick the book, the movie, or the game, and you don't get to pick where you are in it. Like, oh, the one I know. where it's, like, if it's a crapshoot, you you're going to get a random one based on the, the distribution. Like, I mean, that's folding pick? Beijing easy. We'll flip a coin. We'll flip a coin. We all have to pick the book, the movie, or, or, or the game, and then we'll flip a coin, and it'll say where... Upper class or lower upper class. Upper class or lower class. <laughs> But Folding Machine has Folding three. Has three. Oh. Well, then, if you want the middle class, you better hope the coin lands it's on its goddamn side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm with Cleo, though. I, I would say Folding Beijing 100% except for the the stasis element to it. That that freaks me out. I'm already not sure that I'm, like, you know, that I don't die when I go to regular. Listen, state. we don't need to get back into <laughs> existentialism. <laughs> but... We've had a pretty good run of of avoiding of existentialism, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I I feel like it, that definitely strikes me as the the big worrisome bit for that. That and the fact that, as we discussed, that that seems like a world that is about to have a a pretty significant shift, and there's a certain amount of uncertainty there that that is a bit. That's why I say Elysium yeah. upper class because you know whatever whether whether it's pre heist pre-movie or whether it's in an alternate universe where uh what's her name is the quote-unquote dictator or whether it's post actual events of the movie like the people there should be largely unaffected <laughs> they're they're really like yeah like their lawns got torn up a bit but that's about it yeah yeah if they are not one of the the houses that had a ship land on them they yeah yeah, that's probably fair. There's the trade-off. You get to pick that you're in the upper class, but your mansion gets destroyed by a shuttle. God, like, I'll go sleep in the park for a while. Weather's always the same, nice and temperate. Like, I'll go use my neighbor's healing bed. Yeah. Not a big deal. I'll, I'll tell the robots to bring me whatever I need, and they'll say, okay, sure, because you're a citizen, and I can't harm you or yeah. do anything, and uh, you can tell me what to do because I'm a robot, and you're a citizen. So if you couldn't pick upper class or lower class, would you pick the same thing? Or is the potential risk of ending up as, like, Matt Damon, God forbid, um, like, too much to bear? Anyone else on Earth, fine, but, like, 
you could be Matt Damon. I specifically, I could be Matt Damon. Yes, yeah, you would be like born into that world as Matt Damon. <laughs> as Matt Damon. That's the specific condition. Not Matt Damon's character, <laughs> but real world Matt Damon. Yeah, no. Yeah. In the world of Elite. They, these are. <laughs> this is the risk. <laughs> it's kind of like some weird okay. being uh, John Malkovich situation. Yes, yes exactly. Malkovich, Malkovich. It's being John Malkovich as written by Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> um, I think I think I'd still take it. I think I'd still take it because yeah. the other option, like the eight hours of being awake, like, yeah. living like a sixth of your natural life is the folding Beijing lower class option and working in a trash company, probably. Yeah. And then the, I mean, the the Bioshock Infinite option, I, I'm I'm not fully white and I feel like that would get emphasized a whole lot more in that world. Yeah, you don't and I don't think I would like that. That's fair. So, did we ever figure out what we what we think the 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 lifespan situation is in Folding Beijing? Honestly, it's not, it's not clear. clear. Like, Honestly, I'm pro- I think probably you just you get to live a sixth of a normal person's life if you're in the lower class. So even if you're in the upper class, you only get to live a half a life. Yeah, that's I. There's no there was no indication that they had solved aging, so I'm gonna yeah. just guess that they didn't. Right. There's also no indication that the stasis is really any kind of stasis. They just, just sleep. They yeah. they pump sleeping gas into a pod, and you don't wake up until they stop. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I think I think that would be it. I think it would have to be not have to, but yeah, I think it would be Elysium then. Yep. I'll I'll take the chance to be Matt Damon. I think it would be fun to be Matt Damon. I guess. Sure, why not? <laughs> All right, so on that note... I've got a question. Yeah, okay. If you could make a movie or a game to fit the idea of syncopated worlds, oh what would you do? Since our two options that we had f- seem to fail us, yeah. how would you get at syncopated worlds? Well, we'll say we're all game designers here. I'd make Folding Beijing into a movie. Okay. Just an aside, we're all game designers here. Let's talk about a video game. Wow. How would you get at a syncopated world's video game? That's a good question. There you go. Boom. You missed my hand gestures, listeners, and Cleo. So, I don't know that this would necessarily be the the best way to do it, but the first thing that comes to mind is I think that I would look to something like Gemini Rue. I was just thinking the way Gemini Rue plays, mm-hmm. not necessarily the narrative. Oh, I was thinking specifically in a, a few of the things. I would argue that Gemini Rue kind of does a syncopated worlds thing um, in like the the way that your characters interact with one another. I think there might be something to explore there. Is my first instinct. I don't know if it's if that would be my final instinct. You know, like I don't know that I would commit to that design or if that would that would bear much fruit. But that strikes me as a place from which to take inspiration or at least a, a method of syncopation. I, I was going to say the two things that just popped into my mind are broken age, which was the first game we ever covered on this podcast. Um, because you have the two different, I mean, like, I guess we won't re spoil broken age now, but you have two different stories that and I can, I'll say like they, you know, they, they both take place like in the same universe. Um, even though it's not clear like how they're connected at the beginning. And I thought that was kind of like being able to switch back and forth and having to switch back and forth a little bit was kind of cool. I mean, given you know, we covered some of the 
flaws back in that episode. But I didn't really like that idea. And then the other thing I just thought of is like all the mist games where you literally mm. have like all these different worlds and like these books that you use to uh, travel back and forth between them. And if you get like, I mean, like that is a universe that started out in a kind of, I mean, it, the original mist is fairly straightforward in a lot of ways. And now there is just a million games and a lot of lore. So I, I don't, I can't say like how it's evolved and how much it would fit into like syncopated worlds now. But I think that it also kind of falls into the category. Yeah. There's also, uh, if, if I remember right, uh, James, you played Guacamelee, right? Yeah. Guacamelee has uh, mechanically an idea that I think would work incredibly well, which is literally switching between yeah. universes that exist on top of each other. You know what I you know what I realize as we're as we're sitting here talking about this, we could have played like any of the two D Zelda games, or just uh, many of the Zelda games. We I'm could, gonna Zelda traditionally has a lot of like world shifting. Yeah. Now maybe I think that the stronger argument is is that syncopated or is that just like alternate dimensions? Because there's a difference, right? Like I. I think right. that there's a there's a distinction there, and also is there a question of does it help that it is a city? Like, is that how central is that to the um, the idea of kind of the syncopated worlds? Um, is that urban environment? But I'm going to say it's very interesting that everybody's positing single player experiences and ways to sort of get around the weirdness of switching between two perspectives by using single player mechanics. Because my first thought is I would design a game to be played by two people simultaneously in which they overlap on barely any of the content, but their choices affect the ultimate story of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, any of those sort of like classic video game instances where you like two people are playing together and then they're split off into two different sections and go through it separately and then come back together again, except not being together originally and not coming back together again they maybe they'll like two ships passing in the night kind of like see each other through a mirror a la alice in wonderland or something Mm. or through looking glass and you know something like that but they're they're doing things and maybe there's a consistent villain or a consistent threat that is they're you know fighting on either end of their part of the game but you're not going to get the full game content unless you play through it twice that's how i would do syncopated worlds in a video game the big thing that i for me is like the big i think question that i would i would want to answer before setting out too much further would be a question of it and kind of it, getting at what you're talking about with if you want to do both of these things um you know do you you have to do it twice etc is do you as the player go between the worlds or are you someone who is feeling the effects of the syncopation, but you are largely limited to uh, to one, you know? Or, I mean, it is the argument that the two worlds are, you know, it the world, the, like, the worlds of two separate characters. Not, like, the whole world, right? But, like, my my circle, the people with whom I, I interact, the the people who whose lives, like, my actions touch and whose actions affect me. Um Maybe that would be maybe that would be an interesting way of getting at it is doing something like that where it's it is that sense of you've got these two separate people and you separate them dramatically and potentially you are getting two separate people to play those people. I think I would absolutely want two separate people to play and I think I would allow them to move into each other's worlds 
But I think that the persistent thread I would keep is that the threat they had to deal with existed in both. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't dealing with it in both, everything would fall to pieces. It'd be a weird, hard game to make. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm thinking about logistically creating something like this. And I was like, I mean, just sounds impossible. That's a cool idea, though, if you could swing it. One thing that I'm curious about is at what point do you and it's kind of what i was thinking about with with the zelda stuff etc at what point do you lose that sense of syncopation though um is it the kind of thing where is it vital that world a that you have world a and then world b and then world a and then world b or something like that you know with the that that you're not swapping between the like when you did kind of your example at the beginning right where you've got say the music and you've got the mm-hmm. offbeats that it's not so much a question of, well, now I'm listening to the low beats and now I'm listening to the high beats, Mm -hmm. but it's the question of that you are oscillating between the two. And I think that that's the thing that is the the hang up for me and, and why I think it's also part of why I'm going back and saying like, well, no, is a dark world in a Zelda game appropriate? Is something like that correct? Is, are the ideas that I, I came to at the beginning actually accurate because, and arguably I think that this would affect kind of it, the thing that's hard for me is that we put Elysium in the topic and Elysium defies these things. So maybe it was more just that Elysium was a shaky inclusion from the get go. But that would be my big question is, is it central to the idea of syncopation that you are not experiencing only one of them at a time and flipping between them, but that you are getting distinct A, then B, then A, then B, then A, then B. I mean... Typically, uh, typically when you have syncopation in an orchestra, an mm-hmm. entire section of instrumentation is taking the offbeat. Mm-hmm. So one group plays the, you know, the eighth note that comes after every, you know, quarter note. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing the stressed syllable. That's their job. Right, but understand. But the point of syncopation ultimately is not for the experience of the the one creating the music, but for the experience of the one listening to the music. And so. Does the impact of syncopation lie in the player experiencing it as a whole versus the player experience, like two separate players experiencing half of it? Like, I think that that's a really neat idea academically mm-hmm. and from a design aspect, but from a play aspect, it loses so much of its meaning. Unless the argument is that you're talking about syncopation and the point is that you're looking at it from a creator's aspect, right? Like, if you were saying, well, most people experience syncopation as a listener to an orchestra, but this is what it's like to be in the group that's playing the eighth note. You know, so I, I think that it still can can get at it. When wh- What I was bringing up was specifically toward, like, the game that I would make. It's a question of, like, what part of that idea is most important to me that I would want to focus on. Because I think that that would be the big thing is, uh, Corinne, for the, the argument that you're making, I think that would be the big thing is that it would be highlighting what is potentially an uncommon experience of creating syncopation and potentially not realizing it. And I think that there's something really cool there, right? To maybe at the end discover that you were playing the eighth note or that you were playing the quarter note or something like that, that this thing that you were doing was part of a bigger whole. And even that the thing that you were doing was the unemphasized part is, I think it's a cool, I think there are a lot of cool ideas there and you, it's looking at it from a different angle and kind of a, very much sort of behind the curtain kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's the big thing that, that is that is curious to me is if I were to do it, would it ultimately be important to me that you are being flashed between the two? 
maybe it's something you don't have any control over. Maybe you are going through one thing and the world changes and it doesn't care about you. I mean, if you're if you're taking it from the perspective of the listener, yeah, that's, exactly. That's kind of how it happening. has to happen. I mean, I guess you. Got- I mean, that's if we're if we go if we go so tight and focused that we're focused on the musical definition of syncopation, as opposed to this phrase that we have created that is syncopated worlds. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. I mean, I, I think that's the question, right? There's a lot. I like realistically, like you know, if you take the the definition of syncopation. You have the player's perspective, the conductor's perspective, and the listener's perspective. Mm. And all three of those are worthwhile ways to explore it. And all three of those, I think, could be used to apply to the concept of syncopated worlds. Sure. Somebody who is a part of it and doesn't realize, somebody who realizes with the effect and controls it, and somebody who realizes the effect and has no control. Yeah, it's just affected by it. And those are all legitimate things to explore. Okay, so my, my, gut, my, my gut game that I would make, like, just right this second if I could do it quickly. Uh, I would do it like like the, the Rayman Legends um, music levels, where it's a platformer, the world is switching around you in time with music, and you need to go, the world switches with the music, it's timed to the music. You need to time your moving through it to match the syncopation over which you have no control. It would be Rayman Legends musical levels meets Guacamelee uh, world shifting. That's how I would do it. I mean gut reaction right now that's not the kind of game that i feel like I, I generally like to make but the kind of game i generally like to make ends up being like heavy narrative and it's the kind of thing where in, in this case I, it wouldn't be doing anything with the interesting game mechanics that would come up from a syncopated world i think yeah i mean that's the kind of game that i would want to make would be heavy narrative focused it would be like trying to grapple with the the things that that elysium or bioshock are trying to grapple with and both kind of just don't very yeah. well Maybe because it is incredibly difficult, but yeah, like I, I don't think I could spitball something right now because it's like, I mean, that is what I would make. It would be about experiencing a world like that yeah. or worlds like that. And I would make something that is essentially required to be played between two people. It was a cool idea. There are not a lot of games that are required to be played by two people. Yeah. No, no, I'm doubling down. It's, it's Rayman and Guacamelee. That's how I would do it. <laughs> Cleo, what about you? I don't know, because I'm like, it's funny because I'm actually writing something right now that kind of falls into the category loosely. Not even that loosely. So my mind keeps going back to that, but I'm trying to think how it would apply mechanics to it if I were to turn that specific thing into a game. Hmm. And I'm not sure how I would. And it might just be because I'm, I'm, if I were to like allow myself to think about other things other than that story, then I could think of something. But because I seem to be trapped in this loop, I can't really think straight about it yeah and i mean and that's hard right because it's a thing that you are generating as as a non-game and trying to to graft mechanics onto a a non-game can be a not a not a great play right like if it's something that you you put together to not be a game then you try and strap something onto it some sort of overshirt exoskeleton if you will (laughs) that that feels as though it ought to serve some more purpose and then at the end of the day really just feels kind of silly um and all that it really does is, you know, adds this extraneous thing onto the thing that just should have been the protagonist of that movie anyway. Actually, I think, like, if I were to... I mean, we we said game. We didn't specifically say video game. Yes. But everyone kind of went in that yeah. direction. So I actually have been... I'm much more heavily involved in, like, the LARP community these days than I am in any kind of, like, digital game stuff. And I'm writing a free-for-game right now. And I think 
that actually lends its that format lends itself very well to a theme like this um especially because you have people going off and like doing their own things and then sometimes like reconvening and decisions they've made off on their own have an impact on like the entire group when they're reunited heck yeah larp man gotta get on that larp community guys that was a good question i like that i'm glad that you liked that question yeah it's hard to design a game on the spot but obviously we do have the benefit of it's not going to be you know judged or game made jam. yeah i mean it's it's not i'm not gonna like sit here and then now spend the next three years of my life making guaca rayman but <laughs> well now i guess i have to but ray melee legends oh. yeah we'll work it out um so i'm not like you know, actually committed so that is that is one of the nice things but yeah that was fun let's do that more often <laughs> Let's go back and replace the Bioshock Infinite episode with another conversation like that. Perfect. All right. Well, with that, though, I feel like it's a, it's a much better note to end on. Um, anyone else have, have anything else for, for the topic as a whole? I feel like this is a weird topic. You know, this was it. We went into it kind of jokingly being like, oh, it's folding Beijing the topic. But then it definitely just ended up being kind of folding Beijing the topic. Yep. Which is which is OK. But I don't know. I was definitely a little bit hopeful didn't quite pay off well i mean at the end of the day i'm happy to have had an excuse to finally read folding beijing yeah i'd agree with that so yeah it's a win for me yeah it was neat for sure you know don't i didn't particularly enjoy elysium and bioshock infinite i had feelings about but it was interesting it was fun talking about it it was you know fun giving it a shot I've crossed off one of the many, many narrative-focused single-player games that are in my games library that I never touch, even though I buy them when they're on sale, and I say, I'll get to this eventually. Yeah, so there you go. know the answer. You know the answers now. <laughs> God, sometimes I do that, and it's not even because it's on sale. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to get to Nier Automata. Yeah. And I would love to. I really want to. I've heard nothing but fantastic things. But I'm sitting here, I'm just like, when? In August? <laughs> Makes me sad. <laughs> And it wasn't even on sale. I paid full price for a game that I would love to play, but ah. Uh. Well, well, that's a worse note. I was say so bad. on that, <laughs> on that note, now. All right. Well, James is an irresponsible game purchaser. Yeah, exactly. God, I am though. It's the one area, you know. <laughs> Everything else, I feel pretty good about. But when it comes to games, I'm just like, oh no. Buying this will also buy myself the time to play it. So it's not true. But anyway, uh. Yeah, so that that will wrap our syncopated worlds topic. Um, next topic, oh boy, here we go. It's going to be uh, digital romance. Uh-huh. We are going to be reading, reading crosstalk, <laughs> crosstalk. I <laughs> I lost it again. It was the worst part. Bye. You know what the doubly terrible part was? I didn't even go down to uh, overconnected. I was going to say overcooked, <laughs> which is a very different thing. That's a game, and it's not about. Uh, Digital romance. I mean, I played it with my girlfriend, so that was my that was my digital romance. But Aww. I don't know. Everyone go play Overcooked. That's a good ass game. Support that shit. That was a good game. So our next episode, yeah, is, yeah, it's gonna be a bonus episode about Overcooked. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be reading Crosstalk by Cleo. There, there it okay. is. <laughs> I I was gonna find, I was gonna say Wilkie Collins, who's a very different <laughs> author. 
Okay. So I've got everything garbled. <laughs> so for our next topic, we're going to be reading co- Crosstalk by Connie, Connie Williams. Willis. Will- Willis. Willis. Damn it! <laughs> it's harder than you think. Uh, reading we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching San Junipero, which is an episode of Black Mirror, uh, which is available on Netflix, I believe. I yes. believe exclusively Netflix. Yep. Um, and we are going to be playing Emily is Away. Um, I don't know who that's by. I'm really sorry. Um, we're going to know it for them, but small team. Uh, we're going to be playing Emily is Away. Um, that's going to be our next topic. All right, let's get out of this before I screw something else up. Okay, bye. Right, Thanks bye, for guys. listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at RWP Podcast or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast.